Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another live That's What B Said, uh, a special episode as we head into the first preseason game. I'm your host, Bree, at Breezy Clay on Twitter. Tonight, I'm joined by Miss Meredith at MK on Sports on Twitter. Hello, Mayor. Hello. We are missing our third partner in crime, Miss Mollis. Uh, she is on vacation this week, so uh, we hope that she'll be back next week. But in the meantime, it's just the two of us. How dare her? How dare, How her? dare her take vacation? Yeah, you got to get that in before everything shuts down again, right? right. I don't know. <laughs> I was about to say, with football season starting, we don't take vacations. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, remember like Bill- I, did, I did in December when everything <laughs> happened. Do you remember that? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, like Bill Belichick says, no days off. No days off. Uh, okay, well, a few topics we're going to cover tonight. So um, we'll kick off the evening with the NFL releasing some news on taunting. We will get into the preseason game that is coming up this Saturday. We're going to talk about some stars that are breaking out in training camp. Um, some unexpected, maybe some not so unexpected. We'll get into that. Uh, we have some mailbag questions that we'll be taking. So you guys know the drill. We did this last week. It was great. If you have any questions throughout the show, please go ahead and submit them and we will hopefully be able to get to them. And we're going to wrap up our show with our newest segment. And I think our favorite segment, I mean, I'm really enjoying this one rival Reddit. So taking a peek. What's going on on Reddit? Oh God, there's some good things (laughs) happening again this week. It never disappoints. I can't wait. I cannot wait. I am so excited. We will take a peek into our AFC North rivals Reddit boards to see what the fans are talking about. Um, hello, Luigi from Warren, Ohio, right around the corner. Hi, William, Blaine, everyone. Welcome, welcome. All right, so Meredith, let's get kicked off. I'm sure this uh, this information came out uh, yesterday, so it's a little bit of older news, but I wanted to talk with you about it because I have thoughts, and it's in regards to taunting. So, of course, the NFL has earned a nickname, the No Fun League, and when they when they talked about the taunting rules, they used Brown's own Jarvis Landry as a prime example of what not to do. So want to talk about this because while there were really no rule changes, they were just emphasizing that they plan to focus more on this um, as a penalty, which we know it's 15 yards. Uh, you could also get ejected. There could be fines attached to this, etc. And I want to know how you all feel about this. So go ahead and jump in in the comments on what your thoughts are, because it's pretty divided. I posted something on my Twitter page today saying that, of course, when the Browns get good enough to be the taunters and not the taunted, the NFL decides to crack down. And I just want to clarify something for a second. I'm not saying that you need to be over the top taunting, but I feel like some of the flags that these officials throw are ridiculous. Did you ever watch Key and Peele? What? So there was a show with uh, Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele. It was on Comedy Central no. like 10 years ago. Um, I think it's still on HBO Max. I highly recommend watching it. It is, it's a sketch show. It's a comedy sketch show. And it is the most, it is the hel- most hilarious show I've ever seen. And they actually do a skit on NFL taunting. So one of the characters is playing a, a football player and he scores a touchdown and he starts like air thrusting and like the referee <laughs> is literally like ahead by the crotch because two thrusts are okay, but three thrusts is a flag. And so they like have this <laughs> skit with the referee, like in his head, literally in their crotch to make sure like 
that they don't cross the threshold of thrusting. Like it's hilarious, hilarious. Highly recommend watching Key and Peel. It's on HBO um, or it. HBO we'll Max, whatever it is. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, I might actually go and watch that skit just in honor of this. But I think it's funny that they allow celebrations, but right. now they're saying like, oh, no taunting. So at some, so what's to stop, stop someone to say like, oh, that wasn't taunting. I was just celebrating. Right. That's allowed. I just think that's where the lines get a little bit blurred. And it's such a gray area that the, the judgment is coming from a specific official. And I'm sorry, but these officials aren't unbiased. Yeah. You know, like I, I just feel like it just becomes something that, could potentially be detrimental to a team when you're making that call. And it's something, in my opinion, that really isn't important. Like, it just really isn't. It's Unless you were, like, spitting in someone's face, unless you are physically hurting someone, which I don't even know why that would be taunting. I don't know what you would be doing physically hurting someone to taunt someone. But, you know, crazier things have happened. I just don't understand this. Like, Jarvis Landry puffing out his chest, handing the ball, like, putting the ball out. I, I just... That's a celebration, me, right? Yes, it's a celebration. And... I go back and think that this is such a competitive game. Emotions are running rampant. It's physical. I mean, these guys are running around hitting each other at full speed. Like, of course, there is emotion and adrenaline. That, that's what football is. I, I have a really hard time saying, well, they should just not have any emotion, not have any reaction. That's boring. That's literally never going to happen. Like literally. And then like, even in the, the Browns game against Kansas city last year, what was it? Richard Higgins took, took a, a pretty brutal helmet to helmet. Yeah. From, that wasn't called. Yeah. And like the, the guy literally like torpedoed him. Mm -hmm. And so now they're going to like, they're going to worry about taunting versus the type of that guy. Didn't he celebrate too? When that happened, he celebrated. And then the, um, then the chief's official Twitter account, posted something like dirty yeah, dance yeah, yeah. strikes mm -hmm. again. I remember that. Like we are so lucky that Hollywood is okay. Like that is the type of play that could have like put him in Ryan Shazier territory. You yeah, know? you're exactly right though. The fact that the NFL is choosing to focus on taunting as such a big emphasis for this season versus player safety, which they constantly preach about tells you everything that you need to know. Yeah, Fraud. I just NFL are frauds. I well, yeah, and that's like the frustrating thing. And and you said it perfectly is that these refs are not unbiased. And so now we have to rely on subjectivity. We have yes. to rely on the judgment call of a human who already is prone to making mistakes. Right. So it just and the last thing we want is a Monday morning of saying, well, you know, Jarvis Landry got it in for taunting. Browns lost the game because they were missing, you know, their wide receiver. Exactly. Like, you know, we don't like if that's a headline and not just for the Browns, if any other team has one of their star players ejected for taunting and it costs them the game, like it's going to be all hell breaking loose among that fan base. Yeah. I mean, Blaine just jumped in about that call or the non-call against Higgins. Like that wasn't called and that could have completely changed the momentum of that game. So yeah, these, because, I mean, these yeah. calls, like, they could be the deciding factor of how a game is going to go. Yeah, it just, it's it's annoying, especially since they're allowing celebrations. Because, like I said before, what's to stop someone from arguing, well, that, like, what if they are doing a coordinated celebration and then a ref decides that it's taunting? You know, like, what right. if 
You know, like what if Baker's little spin move into the end zone to take pictures of Hollywood Higgins as he struts down his imaginary red carpet? That's a fun celebration. What if a ref looks at that and says, oh, no, that's right. taunting. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to just bring up because he, he plays for our team. A lot of people in my comments today were bringing up Nick Chubb. And we know Nick Chubb is not a guy that will taunt. He doesn't celebrate. I mean, for goodness sake, he, he barely talks during the game, right? Two years ago, he did a mic'd up. He's never done it again because the entire seven minutes was of him breathing and grunting. <laughs> so, I mean, Nick Chubb, that's just the type of player that he is. And I'm totally fine with that. I love Nick Chubb. I think he's amazing. And, and I love that that is his mentality and that's the way that he plays the game. I don't think that that means that he is any better than a Jarvis Landry who does have emotion and who does celebrate and taunt doing these certain things. You know, I want to see both. Like, I, I think, quite frankly, the NFL be, would be a little bit boring if it was a bunch of Nick Chubbs, right? Like, it's it's yeah. part of it is entertainment. It's the entertainment value. Yeah, like, could you just imagine a team scoring a touchdown and they all just kind of go like, yeah, cool. Cool, cool. And yeah, then they go I to the sidelines. I want to see the celebrations. I mean, football is a violent game and you have to be in a very specific mindset in order to be that violent. And let's be real. Violence is an emotion. Anger is an emotion. Like all of it is. Yeah. So yeah, just to, to expect players to not get upset or angry. Like, I mean, Kirk Cousins, when he was still with Washington walking through the locker room out on the field screaming how you like that you like that like would be considered taunting Philip right Ritter i mean is one of the biggest trash talkers in the entire league when he was playing right yeah so i mean <laughs> there's all these like to me like the words as long as they're not harmful or derogatory there's nothing wrong with using words like i agree you know and like saying you know saying how do you like that can be considered taunting and there's nothing wrong with saying hey how you like that yeah, so to draw like a little bit of a parallel to this in the NBA, it's very much like a friend league. That that's just my take on it. All the players are friendly when it comes to off the court, almost to a point where it's a little bit annoying. <laughs> you know, like I almost want them to to have that like competitive rival drive versus like as soon as the game ends, they're like dapping it up, taking pictures, doing all this stuff. And like I understand like. They're obviously friendly with each other. They're competitors. They respect each other. Totally fine with that. But I feel like these are the same people that get mad at the NBA players when they're like best friends and hanging out after the game. Yeah. But yet we don't want to see this on the football field in an actual game moment in the heat of a game. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Just so it just. I, yeah, I mean, I, well, and I think the like the NBA, like the friendship league, like that's how super teams are formed. You know, yes. it's guys reaching out to their buddies like it's, you know, LeBron reaching out to to Russell Westbrook being like, hey, you want to come out to L.A.? Yeah, sure, buddy. Let's go. <laughs> we'll take yes. over Sunset Boulevard. Let's do it. Like, you know, it's it's much harder to move around in the NFL the way they do in the NBA. But that's one of the reasons why we have these super teams is that these guys are all friends. And they talk to each other, you know, LeBron's, you know, recruiting his besties to come play with him. So, right. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll move on because we have a preseason game coming up on Saturday Woo. against Jacksonville. And then I wanted to say, <laughs> yay. I wanted to say um, the Browns released an initial depth chart. Woo. It means nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Kevin Stefanski came out earlier today. He said Baker will not be playing on Saturday night, which is the exact correct move quite frankly yeah. i will be upset if 
any starter takes the field on yeah, Saturday. So I want to I talk about that, Meredith, because Kevin Stefanski has been pretty mum outside of Baker Mayfield, which he just talked about today. Uh, so let's recklessly speculate on what's going to happen with the other starters. So for you, for the listeners that are out there in the comments, please jump in. Do you want any starters playing? What are your thoughts on that? We obviously have injuries that we are battling as a team. Denzel and Miles were out yesterday with some nagging injuries. Obviously, we have a bunch of critical players that are recovering from injuries last year. There's OBJ, there's Delpit. Uh, I don't really want to see our starters or our projected starters be on the field at all. Like, I don't need to see Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney no. on the field. I don't. No, like Baker doesn't need to be on the field. Uh, and then the only people that I had potentially thought of was maybe like Troy Hill, John Johnson, because they're new to the Browns and that defense does need to see some game scenarios, but they do have a joint practice. And yeah, like the last thing you want is miles tearing an ACL or, you know, John Johnson tearing an ACL, anything like that. So um, preseason it's for fringe players. It's for guys that yep. are trying to make the team like the Browns signed Oh, I'm blanking on the guy's name. They signed a running back last week who was undrafted out of Tulsa. You know, they're trying to fill spots on the roster. He's probably not going to make the 53-man roster in, you know, come September. But these games, these preseason games are his moment to uh, to show what he's made of. And if he can break out in these preseason games, then there's a ver- then he's more likely to make fourth-string practice squad. But no, no, no starters. I don't want to see... Um, I don't want to see injuries. I don't want to see anything because that's what you can potentially have happen. So when you have guys that you know are your first stringers, you know, Miles Garrett, OBJ, Jarvis, Nick Chubb, Chubb. Kareem Hunt, yeah, uh, Wyatt Teller, like Jack Conklin, don't put these guys out on the field. They don't need to be. They're making the 53-man roster. They're your first stringers. They're your starters. Let them rest. Let them watch their guys, encourage their guys, see what the fringe players are made of. Like, there's no reason to have starters on the field on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, I think we'll see some of the rookies, which they are potentially like that also makes you nervous because they are potentially also going to have big impacts this season. Even if they aren't projected starters on the team, I do think they will earn a lot of snaps this year. So I'm I'm nervous too to like even see them. I was surprised last week with the Steelers preseason game how much Chase Claypool played. I mean, he was playing well into the second quarter. I mean, he got the n- wind knocked out of him. I, I I don't know. Like I just I don't want to see that. Yeah, I that yeah that was very strange. Um, I think I paid attention to about 12, uh, 10 minutes worth. Of that Hall of Fame game. But um, one of the things that is going to be both exciting and frustrating for Browns fans specifically is uh, you're going to learn very quickly on Saturday that the preseason really doesn't matter. Um, When you are a good team, it just doesn't matter. Um, And that's going to be a culture shock for Browns fans because we're used to the preseason mattering. We're used to quarterback battles. So it's like, oh my God, are we going to roll out both Deshaun Kaiser and Osweiler in the same game because we don't know who our starter is going to be on day one. Like we don't have that this year. It's Baker Mayfield. So yeah. yeah, So like you're, we talked about this last week. Like we don't need the preseason or training camp to tell us how the season's going to go anymore. Yeah. Right. It truly is what you talked about. It's about these fringe players making the roster and that's all it's about. And before it has been, it has meant everything to us because we were making big decisions on what was going to happen for the season in preseason. 
Friendly reminder, 2017, the Browns went 4-0 and in the preseason. You want to know what else happened in 2017? They went 0-16 in the regular season. I so. think I recall saying that they were going to go to the playoffs after they went 4-0 and in the preseason. <laughs> so that was Deshaun Kaiser, right? That was yep. the, the rise and fall of Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, RIP. rise and fall. Of, yeah, he rose and fell like in 12 hours. <sighs> it was Hugh's fault. Yes, <laughs> poor guy Chief's fault. yeah i mean and i feel bad for deshaun uh for a few reasons like first off i think he entered the draft way too early uh he was definitely not ready for the nfl when he entered the draft he should have taken one more year at notre dame um but yeah also he wasn't he wasn't the guy and just hugh jackson threw him directly under the bus like that guy would have had such a better career uh path if he had waited a year and not been drafted to the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Agreed. Mm. The only other notable thing coming out of Kevin Stefanski's press conference today in regards to the preseason game was he had mentioned he's going to allow him and AVP will be calling plays, but he will also allow opportunity for some of the other coaching staff to call plays this weekend as well. So feels very Kevin Stefanski, you know, I feel like he is a servant leader. I don't feel like he needs to have control of everything. He wants to give other members of his staff an opportunity just like he once had. Yeah. And again, because it's the preseason, that's what it's for. Like he can see what kind of creativity and what kind of command uh, of the offense his his other staff members have, you know, because you never know, like someone could draw up an insanely creative play in the preseason that Kevin Stefanski or AVP didn't think of. And he can be like, Oh, Find a way to incorporate that. that. Or you could run into a situation where you miss a game and you have to have other people step in. Like, why not prepare yourself for things that unexpectedly happen versus then feeling very unprepared? I mean, I think this team is just very smart in the way that they think and operate. The disease that shall not be named. Right. Exactly. We're not going to talk about it. No. Um, I'm going to just bring up one more time as people are joining, um, joining in with us live. They may have missed at the beginning. Um, first, what's up, Tracy? Hello. Hi. Welcome back to the show. Um, if you guys want to drop in any questions for the mailbag section, please feel free to drop them in at any time. We will get to them um, here shortly as we get through our next couple of segments. So we will move on. Let's talk about some breakout training camp stars. And what I like to call a little game of, did you have that? (laughs) (laughs) So let's start with a player that, I don't know, three weeks ago, we were all questioning if he would actually make the 53-man roster. And that is linebacker Mac Wilson. He has consistently, day-to-day, come up as a emerging key player to watch who has continued to make plays, continued to improve, Um, And just after we aired our show last week, he had a pretty good interview with um, Joe Thomas. He talked a lot about how he was in a pretty dark place last year after his injury, mentally very challenging, even thought about quitting football at one point. And obviously that's what we saw last year on the field, right? He was, he was not performing. And, you know, when you're in that headspace, we've talked about this with Simone Biles a couple weeks ago, you know, there are times when you can't get that to translate on the field. And, and 
it makes total sense to me now and looking back at it that how much was it injury and then how much of it was also mental combined with that. Like that's not a good combination to have. But as of recently, he has been on the field breaking up passes, intercepting the ball and making some big impacts. So are we here for a Mac Wilson revenge season? Yes, I was. And here's the thing, like nobody loves to hype up Cleveland more than Mac Wilson does. So I feel like if anybody deserved to have a breakout camp, it was him because (laughs) I mean, even a few friends of the show that we've had on his guests before uh, have not had very nice things to say about Mac Wilson. Um, Brown's Twitter has had not had very nice things to say about Mac Wilson. Some of it's deserved. Some of it's not. Um, I would not be surprised if he has seen some of those tweets because he is very, he is very hashtag online. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I I think for someone who just loves the game of football so much, loves the city of Cleveland so much, and is just a very loud and proud cheerleader for everybody on his team. If anybody deserved to have a breakout camp, it's Mac Wilson. I was pulling for him last year and our friend Caitlin, who we've had on a few times, Loves to make fun of me for how much I love Mac Wilson. Yes. So I'm I am happy. I am happy that um he's finally getting himself together and and being the player that he sees himself as. Cause I think that's sort of where the disconnect was, was that he saw himself at a certain level, but he wasn't playing to what he expected of himself. So I think that's really what's showing now is that like he he probably manifested this, you know probably had his vision boards and spoke his affirmations into the mirror every morning, you know? Yeah. He also became a dad. So, you know, that's, that's also, that does. Yeah. Puts things into perspective a little bit. Right. And I'm happy that he was open about his mental struggles because I do think it's important to talk about. I also appreciate the fact that he didn't necessarily blame anything on that. He was just very honest about what he was going yes. through last year. And he never once, he never once talked about it last year. And, and yeah. I can't even imagine him doing that because of the amount of criticism he would have gotten for it. He was taking heat every single week. And yeah. as someone, if someone is going through mental challenges and issues, and they're also very present online and seeing these horrible things being said about you, I can only imagine what number that did on him, too. Yeah, I mean, and I wouldn't be surprised if um, OBJ's comments from his youth camp a few weeks ago kind of encouraged Mac to speak up about it too, which is exactly what we were saying was that that was one of the benefits of people like OBJ talking about the mental struggles of coming back from injury and people like Simone Biles saying, hey, I need to take a few days off from competition because of my mental health affecting my physical health. When you have these big superstars talking about it, then all of a sudden you have people like Mac Wilson who may not have felt comfortable talking about it before suddenly says, okay, well, if OBJ is talking about it. It's definitely something that I can talk about as well. And then I said this a few weeks ago, it trickles down all the way down to kids who are at OBJ's youth camp or watching these interviews with Joe Thomas on the NFL network and saying, okay, well, if athletes of the highest caliber are struggling, then I can struggle too. And if they're talking about it, it's okay for me to talk about it. So yeah, I mean, I would not be surprised if it's sort of like a domino that started with OBJ saying, yeah, I, I was not prepared for the mental aspect of coming back from injury, you know, and Mac kind of said the same thing. And you know what, if Miles Garrett 
has issues with his hamstring. Like, cause he even kind of talked about coming back from the disease that shall not be named. Like he mm -hmm. even said a few times, even after he came back, he wasn't hundred percent. So I don't know if that affected him mentally or not. He never really said anything about it. He definitely talked about the physical side yep. of coming back and can still being winded and still having trouble breathing even after he was negative um, and back on the field. So I'm just, I'm proud of OBJ, proud of Mac Wilson, proud of Mac Wilson, our little baby. Yes, our son. I guess he will now become our son. Yeah, him, Tristan McKenzie. Is Colin Sexton our son or, or does that Colin Sexton is exclusively Brittany. Brittany is, yes, correct. <laughs> All right. Well, another guy who could potentially be our son, because I'm rooting hard for him as well, is Greg Newsome. Obviously, our first round draft pick, rookie cornerback, uh, is getting major accolades from his own teammates, his coaching staff. And reports are out that he is doing whatever the coach needs him to do. So a couple of things to talk about with Greg Newsom. Um, so it's it's funny because he was a first-round draft pick, but all the attention has been on JOK. And, and rightfully so. JOK obviously was expected to go earlier in the draft. He, he was a steal for the Browns in all of our opinion. Uh, he was doing well in that mini um, rookie camp earlier on before he got covid uh, we're now seeing him at training camp, but a lot of the talk has been around him and Greg Newsom has kind of been a little bit under the radar. However, he has been talking about what he's been working on in training camp. And it's really been about kind of crafting his technique. They have him taking 60% of the snaps outside 40% in the slot. It is noteworthy to mention that at Northwestern, he pretty much played outside cornerback. So very mm -hmm. interesting that they are utilizing him in both positions. He mentioned too, that he's taking a lot of reps against Jarvis Landry, which obviously Jarvis Landry is amazing, uh, really talented. And he talked about how he gets burned a lot in practice, you know, and, and I think that's fair to admit a lot of players would be getting burned by Jarvis Landry, even veterans. We see it week, week over week. Um, but I would he, be worried if the defense <laughs> was not getting burned by by Jarvis. By Jarvis. Yeah, because I saw um, Jack Conklin got burned by Jadavion Cloudy a few weeks ago, and people were like, "Oh my god, yeah, what happened?" Oh, don't panic! Like yeah. Jack Conklin should get smoked by Jadavion Cloudy because he's one of the the best defensive players in the league. Like that's what you're gonna expect. So yeah, like he should be getting burned by Jarvis Landry. That's not anything to worry about. Yeah, and I think his mindset is the right way in thinking that he knows it's only going to make him better mm -hmm. by going against someone like Jarvis Landry. Um, and then, you know, he was asked about the competition. You know, it's a lot of the talk has been about him and greedy, you know, who, who's going to be the guy. And he talked about how he's welcomed that competition. It has motivated him to study the playbook more, watch more film and perfect his craft. So I was just so impressed with this interview, Meredith. This is a rookie. But again, I shouldn't be surprised because these are the types of players that Andrew Barry drafts. So Greg Newsom, uh, and I believe this was him. He not only went to Northwestern, which is an incredibly yes. difficult school academically. He left his home in Chicago to go to one of the toughest football academies in the country in Florida. So he was essentially living in as what was a college atmosphere at this um, football academy in Florida and honing his craft from a young age. And then he goes to Northwestern and contrary to popular opinion, football players actually attend class. They do when they, when they, they do their homework, they learn like 
people aren't going to be getting into a school that they couldn't get into otherwise, yeah. you know, like you're not going to have someone who couldn't get into Yale playing for the Yale football team. So um, I am not at all surprised that Greg Newsom is bowing behind the mic. We had him on a few of our shows and he's just, he's great. Like he is, he's got an incredible personality. He is so smart. Uh, I am not at all surprised that that was the type of person that Andrew Barry wanted to use his first round pick on. So I am, I'm thrilled like, like you said, he is kind of getting overshadowed by JOK because that was one of the steals of the draft. And plus, everyone had their heart set on JOK. Yeah. They get all upset when Andrew Barry doesn't take him in the first round. <laughs> Everyone's cursing his name. Oh, Andrew Barry, like, blah, blah, blah. AB getting mad. The Dale's <laughs> getting mad at AB. And then what do you know? Next round, we get him. So, yeah, I just, I, I'm glad that Greg Newsom is getting to show people what he is capable of capable <laughs> capable of <laughs> <You have> bulls. <laughs> yeah that one might get edited out <laughs> i'm glad it. no i'm not <laughs> <laughs> i just i'm glad he is showing his capabilities both on and off the field because i have gotten the opportunity to talk to him before and he is a very very smart young man sound like i sounded very older he's a smart young man yeah i was like are you 70 right now <laughs> i might be <laughs> You sound just like a mom, so it's perfect. Well, he's going to be our son, so. That's right. And then finally, our last, did you have that? Harrison Bryant. Our I did second, not have that one. Second year no. tight end has been shining recently. Um, most notably, uh, Brown and Orange practice on Sunday. Um, Aditi Kingabala, a good friend of the show, um, commented about him um, earlier this week about how he was just lighting it up, catching everything. Um, And one of the things that is interesting about him specifically is he gained 13 pounds this off season. Okay. He wasn't, I mean, he didn't look big last year. um, And I think he realized pretty quickly that he probably needed to put on some weight to prepare against some of the defenders that he was going to be up against. So he, he did that this off season and he talked about how he specifically did it. He knows how important blocking is to this system, to this offense Went out and did that. And then also just honing in on his technique to get better. Because one of his biggest criticisms last year was the fumbles. Yeah. And then the drops. You know, he started off really, really strong. And and I was actually surprised at how much he was utilized at the beginning of the year in the offense. And then he started making those little mistakes, costly mistakes, um, game after game. And you stopped seeing as much of him. So I'm happy that Harrison Bryant took that to heart, stepping in, stepping up, and making plays in this training camp. Yeah, I said uh, my thought was that he discovered Dawn dish soap in the offseason because that's what they use on the wildlife to get the oil. Like, it gets oil off things. Like, if you have an oil spill, you use Dawn dish soap. He had butterfingers. He needed to wash his hands because he was dropping everything. Um but yeah, he is not someone that I expected to break out the way he has in yeah. camp. And he's not the only player who's talked about gaining weight in the offseason. I think Nick Chubb said that he put on like five pounds or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and didn't There's, Jarvis too? Yeah. So a lot, of the guys, a lot of the guys are putting on weight and it's not excessive weight, you know, like yeah, three, like, yeah, three, four pounds here, five pounds here. 13 pounds is a lot to put on in the offseason. But when you need some weight behind you, in order to block, like that's, that's exactly what you need. So 
Um, it's, it's kind of interesting that we've heard more than one player talk about their nutrition and their weight and that aspect yeah. of it. Um, and I think it's really good. Like, cause that, that's part of it too. Like how much you weigh, like the difference between, I think Nick Chubb, the difference between being 185 and 190 is a world of difference because it gives him, you know, it gives him, it makes him sturdier, but he can still be fast. So, um, in terms of your question, did you have that? I did not have that with Harrison Bryant. Yeah, so. I didn't either. And it's, it's funny that you brought up the like weight situations with players because the other guy was um, Andrew Billings, who mm-hmm. opted out last year. Um, I believe they asked him to lose like something like 33 pounds yeah. in a few weeks, and he dropped it. So it does feel like the Browns had very specific – expectations when it comes to strength and conditioning and how they wanted to see their guys show up for camp and yeah they delivered yeah and I think it's cool cool that we haven't really heard players talk about this in in the past and I think it shows how well rounded uh everything is with the Browns they're expecting their players to you know not speak out of pocket when when they're talking and we haven't heard that any player that has given any kind of press conference interview been in the public in any way shape or form they're sounding like professionals they're acting like professionals guys that needed to either gain weight or lose weight are doing it people who needed to work on different skills technique running sprinting whatever they needed to do they're all doing it and we haven't really heard about this with past teams about all of the different aspects of the game. And we are this year. And I think that there's a reason we are. I think that there's very high expectations from both Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry. And these players are falling in line and they're doing it very happily. Cause I mean, yeah. they're all just like, yeah, you want me to lose 33 pounds done. You want me to gain 13 pounds done. I can put on four pounds of muscle. No problem. Let's go. Yeah, Let's it's do a, it. It's a level of mutual respect, which is great to see. Yeah. So I just, it, it, it makes me happy that these are the types of things that we're hearing and that these are the types of things that we're talking about, especially this Agreed. time of year. Agreed. You know, we're not concerned about preseason. We're not concerned about putting starters on the field for starter battle. Like, not at all. Like, this weekend will be interesting because <laughs> we're going to see Tim Tebow better be out there for every snap. If he is not out <laughs> oh, there yeah, for I every forgot. snap. I forgot about Tim Tebow. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be pretending to be a tight end this weekend. And he is, I would not be surprised uh, if he makes the team. Tim Tebow. Oh, gosh. Oh. Urban, we got Urban Meyer this weekend. We got the Tim Tebow show. Uh, like, and here's Trevor the Lawrence. I mean, it, it'll Trevor actually Lawrence be show. more interesting to watch Jacksonville than the than our own Browns. Yeah, like who, like who cares what the Browns are doing? I mean, we care about what the Browns are doing. But yeah, there's much more interesting storylines in Jacksonville. And if I don't see Tim Tebow out for every single snap <laughs> earning his spot, for every other tight end in the league, I'm going to be angry on their behalf because you have this guy who hasn't taken a snap in eight years who I don't think he's ever taken a snap as a tight end. And if he did, it was probably either in peewee or high school. You know, So you got this guy coming into this position that he's never played before but saying, oh, yeah, I can, I can do this. And then he's taking a spot from somebody who has worked their entire lives as a tight end. Yep. So, yeah. Tebow, you better be out there all four quarters, you need to earn your spot. You need to prove that you belong as a tight end. That's my, that, that's, 
He won't, though. He'll just get the job without oh, playing. Yeah, of Come on. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, that makes he, more sense. He and Herb are besties. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So how about we take some mailbag questions? Um, mm-hmm. I saw a couple come through um, earlier in, in the comment section. So, Chris, if you're on, if you could pop some up for us, we'll get to them. And friendly reminder to everybody listening, we still have our 20% off discount code that you guys can utilize at the heavy store on your Browns gear. Make sure you get it before the season starts. Uh, you can use code TWBS and you can find the heavy store by going to the Facebook page as well as going to heavy-store.com. All right. So we will kick off with Blaine's question. Do you think we'll have any trick plays this preseason or regular season that we will see on the field? I would not be surprised if we see the banana plays again, the ones yeah. where we've got Baker handing it off to either Jarvis or OBJ and then throwing it down the field because they work so well. I don't think we're going to be seeing it as much. Um, I think one of the reasons why those bananas plays worked the way they did is for two reasons. One, nobody was expecting them. They had never seen those types of trick plays before. Um, and B, he only did them. Kevin Stefanski only called those plays against weaker defenses, ones that he knew would not be able to to break up that pass protection. So um, I think we will be seeing trick plays. I don't think we'll be seeing them quite as much because people will be expecting them. And the Browns have some heavy defenses to go up against this year. So I don't think that Kevin Stefanski is going to ever put these guys in a situation where they would fail. So um, would I like to see them? Yes. Do I expect to see them? Yes, but not as often as we did last year. And even last year, we only saw it maybe four times, five times. Yeah, I I was laughing because I'm like, are these even trick plays anymore? Is this just part of Kevin Stefanski's right, offense? I, right. I just think he had that built in. But the one thing that I do think we could see more of is obviously OBJ went down pretty early on in the season. I think they have a lot more up their sleeve, uh, specifically for OBJ or plays that OBJ could be involved in. So I'm excited to see that because I truly don't think that he tapped into his playbook. We'll see. Good question. Right. What other questions do we have? What are your expectations for OBJ this season? Um, stay healthy for number one. <laughs> Easier um, said than done. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, he has to. Uh, he's been injured so much he's like he's played more partial seasons than he has full seasons in his career so number one expectation is to stay healthy if he does stay healthy thousand yards receiving easily yeah Uh, for obj i feel like he talked about this um during his when he had his football camp a couple weeks ago he talked about wanting to be utilized in this offense however they see fit which i thought was a great answer. You know, mm-hmm. it's he realizes and recognizes that it's not all about him, but how can he help? And what is this role? What is his role going to be in the offense? So again, I fully trust Kevin Stefanski and the staff to have specific things. Like I want more of the Dallas OBJ game. That's what I want to see. Yes. So I'm excited to see what he's capable of. I think one of the things that was definitely the talk of camp towards the beginning was just how healthy he looked. Yeah. Um, and he looked like he was never injured, which is wild. Miraculous. Yeah. He's got to be like superhuman or something. So stay yeah. healthy, OBJ. Pretty please. If not yeah. for, if not for us, for yourself. Yes. Yes. Agreed. 
All right. Who is the single most important player to the Browns' success in 2021? Baker. It's got to be Baker. It has to be, yeah, because if this team falls apart, it's going to be on Baker. Um, And they're not going to fall apart. I don't foresee that happening. I'm just saying that any type of breakdown is going to start with him. So... Um, yeah, like he's the most important player for that reason, for, you know, being the quarterback, the leader of the team. And then on top of that, he's fighting for a contract too. Um, you know, I don't think that like, we're, we're not going to see him get a contract done before the season starts. And from the way it's looking, we may not even see it mid season. Um, I have a feeling that Baker's contract is going to be done next off season. Um, so for him, not just being the most important player for the Browns, but being the most important player for himself. Because if he doesn't have the year that everyone is expecting him to, then he's going to have a lot of trouble in negotiations getting that long-term contract. Well, he's not going to have trouble getting the long-term contract. He's going to have trouble getting the amount of money that he wants in that long-term contract. So uh, I would say Baker. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm fine. If Baker Mayfield is playing for a contract extension, then we should be seeing the very best of him. So I think yeah. we have that to look forward to. And again, I think we saw a lot out of Baker last year to feel confident going into this season. But I think it always relies on the on the quarterback, as it should. Yes. True or false, the Browns' season mm-hmm. will be a failure if they don't reach the AFC championship. <laughs> I'm going to say true. Um, just because when you are progressing, the expectation is to do better yeah. than last year. So if the Browns don't make it to a Super Bowl, or if they don't, if they do make it to the Super Bowl and don't win, it'll still be a successful season. But yeah, they've they've got to get to they've got to be AFC champions, I believe, to or at least get to that game to be oh, considered a successful season. Because like if they don't, like if they if they you know they. They like, let's say they do a wild card game similar to last year. And then, you know, it's going to be the chiefs. It, it like, we're very likely going to see a Browns chief matchup in the postseason. And if the Browns lose to the chiefs, I don't know that. Well, I'll, I'll walk it back just a tad. I don't know that I'll necessarily consider it a failure, but it's kind of a wash because they didn't get any farther this year than they did last year. So that's always going to be the goal is to get farther than you did last year. Yeah, this one's tough because so many things can impact the season and the outcome of the season, you know, like injuries and, and all that stuff. Obviously, if if you assume that everything is at an even playing field, no one, there's no major injuries and everything plays out exactly how it should, then yes, I think it could be a failure. But on the other hand, I don't know. I feel like having another consistent winning season, make the playoffs – maybe win a game or two in the playoffs. I'll take that consistency as well. I'm not going to go as far as to say it's a complete failure. Of course, our expectation should be that high, and we should be thinking Super Bowl, especially with the entire returning offense and an upgraded defense. I mean, this could be the season that we may not have all these same returning players after this yes. season. There's so a lot- it's, it's, a, it's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of Andrew Barry specials on this team right now. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that, for some of our newer viewers, uh, we have dubbed the one-year contracts the Andrew Barry special because he signs all these players for one year and sees how they fit in with Cleveland, how they fit in with the scheme, with Kevin Stefanski, with the other players. And if they're worth signing more, then he signs them more. And so 
um, you know, that credit card bill is going to be due. And one of the things that the Browns are staring down the barrel of this year is that credit card bill because they still need to find a way to pay Denzel Ward. They're going to have to find a way to pay Wyatt Teller. And then on top of that, they have to find a way to pay Baker Mayfield. So yeah, if the Browns don't at the very least reach the AFC championship, you could be seeing a lot of very talented players going elsewhere for more money. Yep. All right, let's move on to Rival Reddit. We'll close out the show with our favorite segment, Rival oh, I'm Reddit. I'm so excited. It's best segment of the week. Best segment of the week. All right, guys. So we're going to start out in Baltimore. It's been balmy in Baltimore. Uh, they're going through a heat wave over there. I mean, much like we are here in Ohio, but probably a little bit more. And the rookie class is dropping like flies. Um, and this is a lot of it injury related. Um, and I don't want to put bad juju on us. So I'm just spitting facts out here. Like they are suffering from some, a lot more injuries than we are in, in our world. And Rashad Bateman is uh, one of the more recent notable injured players. So their Reddit board, as you could imagine, is very flustered with all of these injuries happening within the preseason. Um, in fact, it was reported out that 21 players missed practice and two more went down um, just today. Oh, my God. And plus you had Lamar missing, what, almost yes, two weeks of practice? Yep. So I think they're probably in a pretty bad – I know they are. They're in a pretty negative headspace right now. So fan speculation – is all over the place when it comes to like breaking down what is going on and how they're viewing this as an impact as they em embark upon the 2021 season. So there are some that are blaming the heat, which I think is probably fair. Uh, there could be a lot of these injuries could be related to, to heat or players not practicing. Um, some of them are blaming strength and conditioning, which Meredith, do you remember <laughs> I feel like the Browns, yeah, the Browns injuries that we had in years past, it always felt like we had the most injuries in the NFL. And I feel like we would always grasp for straws of saying like, it must be our strength and conditioning coaches. I mean, I don't ever remember people blaming the strength and conditioning coach, but like, was that a thing? Was that a thing that was happening on Brown's yeah, Reddit? Yeah, I, I, I feel like, and maybe not Brown's Reddit, but just in general of like, why do the Browns, why did the Browns always have like the most injured players? Like what is happening to cause that? I mean, I guess they had to play harder to compensate for their lack of talent. <laughs> okay, I they, were not playing, they were not playing harder. Okay, let's just be clear on that. So the Ravens are also grasping at the players coming into camp in poor shape. Oh my gosh. And then they are also blaming Harbaugh. Saying that he is pushing them too hard in this heat wave, they're they're go they're getting after it too aggressively, and that's what's going on. So, Ravens, you know, I don't think Rashad Bateman's going to be back for the beginning of the season. Very unlikely. And there's already a lot of question marks about Lamar and throwing the ball to his receivers. So, things are unwell in the Ravens world, <laughs> in the Ravens Reddit world. I should have worn my sweatshirt that says "I am unwell." <laughs> I am unwell. They are unwell. So what right. did the so did you read anything on the Reddit board that was particularly hilarious from Ravens Reddit? So nothing on Ravens. I will get to um a post of Steelers, which I will transition to Steelers right now. Yeah. So I so I I'm on Reddit 
pretty frequently. I'm on Reddit every day. Let me, let's not lie. I, I go on Reddit every day <laughs> um, for a few reasons. A, it's entertaining. And B, it's actually a really interesting place to see a lot of world news because Reddit is very popular worldwide. Yep. So I get a lot of my world news from Reddit and you get to see a lot of point of views of people not in America, which I find insanely valuable. Yep. Um, but the thing about Reddit also, when you kind of go on some of these shit posting pages is people spiral really fast. And like when you have one person spiral spiraling and then you get another and then you get another and then it just descends into hell. And I think that's kind of what happens on some of these Reddit boards for, for teams. You might have, you know, 30 or 40 level headed people on a post and then you might have that one or two person spiraling and then it becomes an echo chamber of just like people just anxiety out of control. And uh, yeah, it's it's a sight to behold. Reddit is Reddit is a very bizarre social experiment. Like, yeah, it if, is. It really like, is. like if if there were like extraterrestrial beings that are like tapping into Earth oh and the first thing they found was Reddit, they'd be like, oh, God, this planet is not OK. Right. It's bizarre. It is bizarre, but I enjoy it. It's entertaining. Oh, yeah. So moving on to Steelers. Um, so TJ Watt is not practicing because of contract negotiations. So uh-huh. a lot of conversation about that. However, just today, there were two specific posts criticizing Browns fans. OK, so we are being talked about. And part of that is because we continue to gloat about beating them in the playoffs actually beating them twice in a row but they're talking about the playoffs shockingly or not they continue in this thread to bring up the past of course so one of the one of the posts was i don't know it's like that stick figure guy who's like he looks like super mad and then he has like this mask on Oh, is it like the um the the troll or something like that? With yeah, the... I don't know, but he's like wearing a Browns, you know, like face, and then he's looking at a trophy case, and there's nothing in the trophy case except for the final score of the playoff game. <laughs> so essentially, essentially, they're saying that we have obviously we have no trophies, which is a lie because we won multiple times in the early. 1950s and 60s but at one point modern era browns (laughs) since they came back yeah yes um so i just thought that was funny but um in one of the comment sections um you know the history it is what it is and and i have said this multiple times i live and work in a job where we oftentimes live in the past we we cling to what has already happened And we try to utilize the history to predict what's going to happen in the future. And in a lot of cases, in my job specifically, you can't look at history as a guide for what's going to happen because there are so many other outlying factors that could influence what happened at that moment in time, like a pandemic or an election year or so many other factors are involved in what happened in the past. So I like to always make sure that I am looking at what is currently happening, what is trending, because typically that is going to continue versus history repeating itself, at least in the near term. So for all of our Steelers friends that are watching and listening, um, which I don't know, they might hate listen. I have to tell you, 
you thank bringing you for up the downloads. His- yes, you bringing up your history, like we don't care about. Like we, what matters right now is the season we're coming off of, and then going into this 2021 season. So, of course, there were a lot of comments in here about there was a good chunk of history when Ben Roethlisberger was the winningest quarterback at their stadium. Well, guess what? He's not anymore because we have Baker Mayfield, and he broke that. So that is irrelevant. That stat is irrelevant, but cling to it. Someone actually did comment and said a lot has changed since 2019. Yes. Whoa. Level yes, take yes, right there. It has. It well, has. see, I think this is just, this is, uh, this is the fear coming from Steelers fans. Like that's really what's happening because, um, you know, like when someone gets jealous, um, like, I don't know, like if you get jealous of someone's boyfriend or their clothes or their body, whatever you're jealous of, like the first thing they start to do is cut them down. Yes. And I think that that's what's happening with Steelers fans is that, you know, they are they're the bully that really just. You know, they're 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 getting scared, like they don't want to acknowledge the two losses in a row to the Browns last year because it doesn't fit their narrative. But then they also they're they're worried. They're seeing how this Browns team is trending. They're seeing what Kevin Stefanski is doing. They're seeing what Andrew Barry is doing. They're seeing the way people are talking about this team. They're they're seeing the way that this team is talking itself, and they're starting to get really scared. So the best thing that they can do is to lash out. So we we just need to they're they're just an angry caged animal lashing out. And yep. we need to give them some tender, loving care and kick their ass in the season. So, you know, that's right. They already scoffed. Remember, they scoffed when we signed Jadavion Clowney. I hope Jadavion Clowney and Miles Garrett literally makes Ben Roethlisberger just disintegrate into the air. Oh, my God. What you know that um, I don't know if you've ever done this with little dude, but like when when parents will like if they have one of their small children in between them and one grab one parent grabs one hand, the other parent grabs the <laughs> other hand, they like lift them up. Yeah. Have you ever done that with little dude? Yeah. That's kind of what I expect to see Jadavion Clowney and Miles Garrett do to do with with Big Ben to just like one on one side, one on the other side, lift him up like a little child. Yeah, I just want to see him just dissolve, just poof, he's gone. I mean, I would not be surprised if Ben Roethlisberger just like sits down in the middle of the field because he doesn't want to get hit. <laughs> like he sees a beast like Jadavion Clowney like coming right at him, and he's just gonna be like, oh no, because like. Just roll over yeah. like a roly poly, just like he didn't want to. He didn't want to dive onto the ball when it went exactly in the playoff game. He just was like, "I'll just flop around it, but I won't actually fall on it." Yeah, so I would <laughs> it's like not a be fish surprised. out of water, Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. Oh man, that might have to be one of our um, over under games that we play during Steelers Week. How many flops are we going to get from Ben Roethlisberger? Oh, we are gonna do some over unders <laughs> as we get into the season. So you guys just wait for that. That was uh, one of our favorite segments of the show. And listen, Rival Reddit's only going to get better as the season goes on. Oh so, yeah, because they're go- it's going to get more active. Like- yes, for sure. Um, so I'm going to close it up, close it out with the Bengals. So obviously, there's still a lot of panic happening with Joe Burrow. Um, same thing that we talked about last week. A lot of uncertainty with how he has been performing, the offense in general. However, I thought this was very interesting, and I thought that us as Browns fans would have something to say about it. They posted an article from Fan Nation that reported that the Bengals rank number one in alcohol consumption at games. (laughs) And I feel like us as Browns fans need to say, wait a minute, hold our beer. So wait. Can that really be right? I mean, if they're not, I mean, they must not be counting the Muni lot. Because <laughs> no, not of course te- they're not. Because <laughs> that's not technically at the game, right? Yes, it's, yes. I, I believe it would be based on sales. Is yeah, my alcohol. Guess. 
else. Well, I don't think that people are buying as much in the stadium because they're having fun in the Muni lot beforehand. I know. Well, and the fact that we actually, I mean, in previous years, we we may have been purchasing alcohol to drown our sorrows. I feel like the last year was more to celebrate. Yes. Well, and people want to actually like watch the game and be cognizant yes. for the game and remember the game. <laughs> you know, people don't want to be drinking themselves into oblivion. They yes. want to have, you know, however many drinks they 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 need to have a good time and not break their pocketbook. But then they're like, you know what? No need to get blackout drunk at this game because we want to see what happens. Yeah, they may have spiked when Joe Burrow went out last year. That's what I'm thinking. They they mm. probably Yeah, that makes sense. Drank themselves into oblivion until they got to this season. So we'll see. We'll see if they can keep it up. So, oh, uh, I have a feeling they will. Yeah, they're uh, number, but they are number one in the I AFC mean, North. <laughs> Joe Burrow hasn't <laughs> been doing great in camp. So, yeah, they are. They are worried. They are worried over in our neighbors down south. Um, We're going to have to keep track of alcohol consumption. We will. We will. <laughs> But anyway, that wraps up our show, Rival Reddit. That is it. Uh, this was a fun show. Uh, thank you guys all for joining us again live this week. And we hope that you guys come back and join us the next few weeks as we ramp up for actual regular season football. But we will have everything covered as we get into preseason, um, as we go in these next few weeks. And then we're going to be getting ready for Kansas City. So our show will hopefully be shifting into previewing that matchup and We're going to put all the good vibes and good juju out there for the Browns players for good health, to stay healthy, to, I don't know, just be themselves. Keep doing what they're doing. Have fun. Have a good season, guys. Yeah. So thank you guys all for tuning in. Again, if you want to find us on download, you can find us on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, however you listen to your podcast. Uh, That's what B said. As a reminder, you can search for us. Uh, We'd love to hear from you, so rate and review us, and we'll plan on seeing you guys all next week. Thanks for tuning in.